Welcome to Around the Table. In part two of this conversation about the apostolic Christian minister model, we talk about what being a minister does to a brother and his family, the best way for the church to give feedback to ministers, and ways we can and should encourage our pulpit teams. Brothers Steve and Fred, let's talk a little bit about a healthy balance of ministry responsibility and church responsibility and lots of times our ministers are asked to take on this responsibility when their children um, are fairly young, which would have happened to both of you and, and even in my situation somewhat. And we could talk a little bit about your experience, but how can we help the church see this that they can really add to the blessing of the ministry and how they respond to the ministers, uh, their families, and even good ways to encourage along the way with an eye on an opportunity to still sharpen each other in this ministry responsibility. Any thoughts there, brothers? Maybe to begin, I just point out that this is one of the top questions among new ministers. Uh, new ministers have an opportunity to sit with, be mentored by elders. Brother Lynn, you've, you've done that before. Gather around and ministers just ask elders questions. And the number one question, there's two number one questions. One is, how do I study the word and preach it effectively? The other one that comes from both the brothers themselves and their wives, because the wives have an opportunity to talk to elders, elders' wives about the ministry. And the other number one question that repeatedly gets asked is, how do I balance family and ministry? I don't want my family to suffer because I'm in the ministry or resent the fact that I'm in the ministry. So this is a huge challenge. And I'm sure, Brother Steve, you have some really good things to say. Um, I know my wife really appreciated during services having other sisters help watch the young kids. That was just huge. There were several sisters in Altadena and then in Indy who would help watch the kids. Uh, we had three daughters. And so it's usually sisters who would take them and watch them during service since I was up on the pulpit. That was huge to them. It was just a one little one little thing that, that happened there. Yeah, I would I would echo that. The my kids were right preteen and teen, just early teens, so they're close together. I only have two children, but and they were actually pretty fearful about it. They expressed that as we went into the ministry. They were supportive, but they were fearful of what's this gonna mean. The good news was they were both independent enough that they could deal with that. But I saw the congregation come around them. So for my son, I'll speak in his situation, he had a group of young men who were his age and dads would step in. Uh, my brothers in church would step in and have him sit with them. We didn't have the luxury uh, of, uh, you know, a pulpit that was had massive numbers on it. So uh, it was on the pulpit almost all the time. And John had a place to sit and he was comfortable there. Um, that wouldn't necessarily be the case for each child. And I think if the congregation can be intentional about that aspect of the ministry, to look at preacher's kids, not setting high, huge expectations, but instead, how can I come alongside them? Yes. This would be a huge help. And I've experienced it, so I know it's a huge help. But I know that it doesn't always happen. 
and that would be something we could recommend to the congregations, I believe. So, so I'll just share a little bit of my, my journey. Uh, our kids were similar age, but a, a larger range. Our oldest might have been 13, our son, and our youngest hadn't been born yet. So ended up with seven children. But then just not too long ago, Rhonda asked each one of them, now they're all adults from 21 to 36, and they're all connected to our church, AC Church. What has been some of the blessings and what have been some of the difficulties of your dad and mom being in the ministry? That's what they grew up with. And um, when they stopped and thought about it, their response was overwhelmingly positive in the fact that if we could have gone back and rescripted it or changed it, they, they didn't really have anything they would have wanted to change. And so our experience was that the Bluffton Church chose to love Lynn and Rhonda's family for who they were and who they were becoming and who they developed into. And they were a huge part of helping our children as they were growing into adulthood have a very healthy view of Christianity and of the church that they were raised in. And so in my opinion, in my experience, the church response towards ministry is very, very important. And uh, so thankful that both of you could share positive examples as well. That's neat. Lynn, I've just, I've seen it Okay, so now I'm going to turn a little bit negative here, but I, I, I think this is an important point. I've seen it go the other way, and I think Steve kind of alluded to this, and that is expecting our kids to be perfect. And, and it, it sometimes gets expressed that way to kids where, okay, now your, your dad's in the ministry, so everyone's going to be really watching you as an example. And, and when you're a, you know, a 13, 15, 16-year-old kid who in many cases wants to be a good kid but is just – is struggling already with that awkward age of learning who they are and where they're going and what they're doing to have the added pressure that when you go to church, you're in a fishbowl and everyone's looking at you and, and monitoring your behavior and uh, you better not mess up because that's going to reflect badly on your dad. That can be just devastating and breed resentment and hurt. I just, I like your, I like how you described it is, you know what? You're still a kid and doesn't matter if you're a preacher's kid, doesn't matter. You're a kid and we're going to love you and support you and treat you uh, like we do anybody else. I think that's a, that's a beautiful model to follow instead. So, well, since Fred turned it negative, <laughs> no, that's very <laughs> realistic. Um, let's, just, let's just walk down this path a little bit further. So in most of our churches, there's multiple ministers, um, and we're thankful for that. And so it will be very natural and expected that we would have some that we would connect with more easily. Their style is more our style. We, we maybe can easier receive a blessing from their message than another. So what could happen and what can happen is that sitting in the pews, we could start to build our case and let some of our frustration spill out onto others. And then it's really not a healthy feedback loop maybe for that minister he, he has no way of, of uh, improving from there or even understanding it. So is there, would there be a healthy recommendation 
for a some type of a feedback loop for our ministers, or should that just come from within the group? Or how, what what is the congregation's responsibility or opportunity there? Yeah, I I would actually speak into maybe a personal example, and this person, a sister, really demonstrated to me as a not really new minister, but had been in the ministry for a bit, demonstrated how to do it. She came to me much in the way that we read through in Matthew 18 about how to offer, you know, to correction. Uh, She had prayed through this and she came to me in a spirit of love for me. And that was evident. I mean, you can get that message. I mean, we talk around about, well, you know, how will they know that I love it? If you come and that's on your heart, the recipient is going to detect that. So I I heard her speak as soon as she spoke. I knew where she was coming from. It was of love for me. And, And her comment was around, we hear a lot about, you know, the fires of hell and the, you know, Hell and damnation, you know, message was kind of a theme for a bit. Uh, I don't know, not sure why. I think it was needed. The spirit was working, but she said, you know, we need to hear about the promise of heaven some and the balance of the message. That was all she said was, what about the balance of the message? And she just left me with that. And I walked away and I thought about it and went back. And at that time, I went and pulled cassette tapes. (laughs) We didn't have the. didn't have AC Central. And I said, yeah, she is right on the mark. And so I shared that with the other brothers too. And, and you just, it was perfect. So if I could have an encouragement, that would be it. Have a motivation based in love, yeah. Christ-centered, coming in love to share that, share your heart with the brothers because they're looking for that. That's a beautiful example. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I, I I like that too. I think you can tell when when somebody, you know, the spirit wish they come. I'd I'd suggest it's easier for me to accept um, critique or admonishment or correction or whatever it is. Uh, it's easier when I know the person supports me anyway, and so I would suggest that actually, if your only interaction with the minister is admonishment or correction it's probably not going to go very far just because we're human. And I, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's just hard for me. You know, I need to know that you, I still need to know that you love me and support me right or wrong. That's just in my human nature. So I'll just give you the example of, of my dad. My, my wife is my strongest supporter. She always has been. And, and, but my dad was right up there as, as number two. And he would often express encouragement to me and support and love, but he would also tell me, you know, Fred, I don't need, don't think he really needed to say that or he kind of whatever. But I knew when he had those words of correction, I could accept them so much easier because he had spent so much time encouraging me. And so I think uh, just kind of is in line there with what you're saying, Steve, about when you know it's coming in, a, in an atmosphere of, of, of encouragement and support, it's just easier to accept and learn from. Yeah, I would just say amen to that. That's, that's perfectly said, Fred. There's also, I think, an unhealthy, I just heard this recently from a minister who felt like he was elected to the ministry 
to correct something in church. And so people had elected him, hey, if we elect this person, this person will set the, stri- the church straight in a, in a certain way. And, and he just said, that's just, that is so hard. I, I, don't, I don't want to do that. I don't have that agenda. I don't want that agenda. And that can be communicated through admonishment. Hey, you're supposed to be preaching this or teaching this. Yeah, I might add something to that. And, and this happens, I think, quite a bit. And I think it's a caution maybe to um, the congregation in terms of expectations goes along with what Fred just said about uh, we put somebody in and they're going to fix things. We'll also get comments, and I've heard brothers who have had this happen to them. I did not, but I've, I've heard this, where someone would come to them after they were put on the pulpit. Um, you know, they had been placed in that position, and the, the comment was, don't change. We elected you for who you are. And while I appreciate the sentiment, the expectation is not realistic mm-hmm. because the role changes you. Yeah. Well said. The responsibility of digging into the word and really getting to know the word, the standing on that side of the pulpit and looking at that congregation and having, sorry, it's a bit emotional, but um, having the responsibility to share the gospel with souls who are lost and souls who are on the journey changes you. And there's no way that it can uh, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. So that's just a caution, I guess, to our brothers and sisters to be careful with that one. That is such a common phrase we hear. And, and, and I do appreciate the sentiment behind it. I think their motives are probably fairly pure. And there is value in still seeing ourselves as just part of the congregation with a unique preaching, teaching role. So we don't elevate ourselves. We don't elevate the position beyond what it should be. A couple of things I try to remind our minister group of is, number one, it's in Bluffton, you were put on the pulpit through a minority vote. You must know that. <laughs> you didn't get the majority. <laughs> Not even close. And of course, I don't share the, the numbers, but that just doesn't happen in Bluffton. So you put you were placed there a minority vote. You're not that special, but God has something special in mind. The other thing is, and Steve, I think you're mo- you've modeled this very very well. This is what I'm doing for a time. Mm. This this is not this is just a segment in time that I have this unique opportunity to serve. Like wow, there's not many people that have this unique opportunity to serve and have a pulpit to share God's word from. But it's just a, it's just for a season. It's what I'm doing with my whole heart at this phase in my life. And um, I, I love that leadership model of we're here for a while and God will continue to raise up leaders of every generation to build his church. Let's bring this thing to a close. Are there any other thoughts for the church, a healthy view that the church can lean into and how they can participate all hands on deck. Yes, uh, we appreciate our ministers. We like some better than others. We're just, in, in a very real way, we want to be helpful. Let's have some closing thoughts in that area. Well, Lynn, I, I, 
I did take it the conversation in a negative direction there for a bit. So let me just turn it into a positive direction again. <laughs> um, I think one of the best things a congregation can do is is encourage the minister. Different ministers will take it differently. Some, and I count myself in this, I love to hear encouragement. Others feel like it turns them proud. Might fi- they feel themselves vulnerable to pride. We had this conversation in a group of ministers and elders a, wh- a couple months ago, and different ministers expressed their different reactions. But what we decided was a really good way to encourage your minister instead of going up and saying, wow, you did a great job. That was a wonderful sermon. You really did well. I enjoyed listening to you, which puts the attention on the minister. How about saying, thanks for, I'm just praising the Lord for that, for that sermon. That verse there, the Holy Spirit just really spoke to me about this, this point or this scripture. As a minister, it encourages me to know that the Spirit was 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 indeed using my words and, and ministering to the congregation, but it reduces the uncomfortableness because it's not on me. It's the the, the attention is on the Word and the Spirit where it, where it really ought to be. So we sort of all decided that was a good way of encouraging your minister <laughs> um, is to draw the attention to the Spirit and the Word. That's a helpful example. Thanks, Fred. I really appreciate that. Steve, any thoughts? Yeah, along that line, we had one of our brothers shared on the pulpit uh, a while back, and it really, it really resonated with me. He said that in his example, he, it wasn't an original thought; he was just sharing it, passing it along. But he said there was a Christian singing group that had come to his church to share, and one of the performers said, uh, "You know, it's all God. It's all God. It's all God." He said it over and over and over. So a gentleman came up and he said, really appreciated it. It, you know, it's, it really enriched my spirit. And he goes, it's all God. And he goes, and the person who had said it paused for a second. He said, you know what? It really wasn't that good. Because if it was all God, it would have been perfect. And it wasn't. Yeah. So there's a balance. I think all I'm saying is there's a balance in there, understanding that there's gifting and understanding that it's really spirit-driven, and we just seem to acknowledge that. And so I really appreciated some of Fred's ways to encourage. I think those are perfect uh, examples of the way to do it. And I think as ministers, we need to encourage each other on the ball. Yes, yes. Encourage each other in sincerity. And if you encourage, you will be encouraged. And I think you're investing in yourself as you encourage others. It's really a blessing. Well, thanks, Fred. Go ahead. I, I, I'd love the opportunity to hear from you a little bit more. It, yeah. um, it's, it's been a lot of Steve and I, which I've really enjoyed Steve, but I'd, I'm curious what's on your mind as we wrap this up, what you think about the ministry. Well, um, it's been a wonderful journey. It really has been. And not it's not something you grow up thinking that you're going to do something like this. So, you know, you have to get your you have to do some adjustments and some um, reprioritizing and all of those things. But like Steve said, it is an experience that will change you. And I praise God for that. So as I just step back and think, so what, what is a healthy church leadership model? (laughs) I think we're aiming at the right model. It's not the sage on the stage. We don't need to have finely tuned and rehearsed messages. 
But our congregations are actually looking for the raw, authentic, like um, the wonder of it all, mm -hmm. along with a prepared heart, not just the speaker, but the church. And when those things can happen, then I think the Holy Spirit has so much room to work. And those bits of encouragement that you brothers have shared going both ways from the minister to, you know, to the church and to the church back to the minister team can happen in such organic, beautiful ways that there's something powerful and compelling that our youth will see and they will want that. They will desire that. And then the healthy church expectations and, and that interaction is what does that look like? I don't know. But in the simple terms, I would just ask them to treat me as a friend mm. and not as a minister or elder when we're together. And just that commonality that we're all in this together. We have different gifts and different responsibilities, but the church is constructed in such a way that Jesus Christ has set the gifts as it pleases him. And to sit back and watch that happen is just a beautiful thing. Thanks for listening. Around the Table is available on AC Central and now also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Pocket Casts. It is a production of Onward Media, a communications ministry of the Apostolic Christian Church.